All right, all right, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Praise God. Welcome to Sunday morning service. We are going to have an absolutely awesome time today. We are baptizing people at the end of the service and again tonight. So uh, thank you, Lord, for that. It's going to be an absolutely wonderful, wonderful day in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Well, to open up things, uh, I want to make a, a wonderful acknowledgement. And uh, and so it's just this right here that uh, we want to give the Lord some praise for the victory for righteousness that occurred in the United States of America this week. Amen. Now, I realize not everybody is maybe on board with that, but as a Christian, there just really is no other way to look at that. Um, and so, uh, you know, not a lot of churches are maybe afraid to even stand up and say something about it, but I'm not afraid to say something about it. When righteousness wins, it's a really, really, really big deal. And, uh, and so since 1973 that we know of, over 63.5 million, 63.5 million, I said million, 63.5 million uh, lives have been lost uh, to this uh, terrible thing uh, that, uh, you know, that we're talking about. And, um, and so I just, I praise the Lord that we're going to see, uh, you know, what happened this week doesn't change everything in, in California or anything like that, but it's going to definitely start heading things in the right direction. And, and, you know, it's not a political statement. Taxes are a political thing. This is just straight up basic right and wrong morality and so you know there's some things that i don't care to discuss publicly on political things but something like this you know there's the saying you know is that the hill you're going to die on that's the hill that i'll die on right there i don't care if that makes somebody hate me or not like me because i've received some hate this week for things that i've said and i hey i'm a big boy i can live with that but praise jesus that we are seeing a turnaround amen let's give the lord some praise come on yeah you know, Proverbs six seventeen. you know, there's a, you know, hundred Bible verses we could quote to, you know, back things up on this, but it does say that God hates hands that kill the innocent and nothing's more innocent than a baby. And so, uh, we praise the Lord for victory and I'll praise God every day for the rest of my life. Cause I didn't think I'd see that in my lifetime. And so thank you, Jesus. And, uh, we rejoice today. Amen. And so, Hey, we could go on and on about that all day, but I encourage you, uh, you know, there are probably be, uh, you know, crazy things happen in our country over the coming weeks, but that's not anything new because when Jesus wins, the devil gets really, really mad, right? And so we ain't backing down. We believe that Jesus is victorious and we're going to stand for what's right. Amen. All right, let's stand up together today. Praise God. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America because that's what we do every single service. We speak faith because we believe that we are going to see a change and somebody would say, well, I believe it when I see it. Hey, brother, you saw something this week, didn't you? That we are seeing our words come to pass and so we do walk by faith every single day. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. 
We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him some praise today. Hallelujah. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes here and have some meet and greet time. And so we're going to go around, give some handshakes, some hugs, some high fives, you know, whatever it takes to make you feel loved. But we are glad you're here. Let's go.
something to let you know that we love you and we care about you. All right, just a few uh, uh, reminders. I'll have Pastor Kay to get into the announcements here for us. Uh, but uh, Pastor and Mrs. P are still out of town in Indiana, so, you know, they're probably watching online. We send our greetings to them. Love them. Amen. And uh, as we said, today is Baptism Sunday. And so, yeah, it's exciting. I think we got... Six or seven people this morning getting baptized and a couple more tonight at the PM service. And so I encourage you, if you don't normally come to Sunday nights, come on out tonight, man. And let's support our church family uh, that comes to the Sunday night service. Because a lot of you, if you know, if you're just here on Sunday mornings, you don't realize there's a lot of people on Sunday night and Wednesday night that can't be here on Sunday mornings. So you go to the same church and may not even realize it, right? And so I encourage you uh, if, uh, to come on out tonight and support those that are having a nighttime baptism. Amen. All right. I'm going to have Pastor Katie go over the rest of the announcements here because she's a lot smarter than I am. Right. Can I get an amen? amen. Who, why would you say that? That's awful. Amen. Okay. Well, I feel loved. Thank you. I feel loved. Okay. So if you are with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, or even just visiting for baptisms, wave at me, please wave at me. Okay. So Miss Nikki here, in all her black. <laughs> I laughed this morning and I said, she looks great, but she's not mourning. Um, so anyway, she's coming to give you some information about the church. So keep waving and she will come to you. And if she doesn't know you, she's probably coming to you anyway. So thank you for being with us this morning. We're very excited about baptism. Baptism is one of the most important things that we do as a church family to acknowledge that someone has accepted Jesus and allow that to be a public statement and celebrate with them that they are living their life for Christ 
and that he lives in them and makes them able and gives them the grace to live victoriously. So very, very important today. Thank you for coming and being with us. We have a few things going on, as we always do. This weekend is busy, as most weekends are. This Friday, some of our young adults and singles decided to go down to The Rock in San Bernardino and be a part of their young adults because our once a month thing isn't enough for them. So Jocelyn, dear, wave, wave. We'll stand because everyone else is waving too. This is Jocelyn. She'll be at the information booth after service. If you are 18 on up, you're a young adult and well, 18 to 30-ish. Okay. So listen, if you're a grandparent and you're single, we love you. This is probably not going to be your thing. Just so you know. Okay. So there's that. But 18 on up, uh, singles, if you would like to be a part of this, make sure that Jocelyn has your name and phone number before you leave today. And we will make sure that you have the information to be able to go to the rock. It is Friday evening this Friday. Also, this Saturday is men's meeting. Men's meeting. Um, so do me a favor because it's also, you know, headed for the 4th of July. If you are going to be in town this weekend and you are going to go to men's, could you just wave at me a second? Okay. All right. Well, there's enough of you to have breakfast. So Chuck is cooking you breakfast. James is hosting and Chuck is teaching and feeding you. So 9 a.m., 9.30, 9, 9, 9 a.m. in Victory Hall this Saturday. Uh, and then after service today, the youth is doing some normal fundraiser things that we've been doing. Uh, we're almost there, okay? Almost have the youth trip paid for. A lot of times our goal is to make sure that youth students who just don't have the funds or families who have like five kids, um, that they're not having to pay all five things so that we're able to sponsor a lot of them. That being said, if you would like to buy some ice cream or popsicles after service, it'll be available on the patio. And if you would like to donate to the youth trip, make sure to mark your envelope during offering youth. And we'll make sure that that goes towards the youth trip as well. If you are interested in being more involved in serving in the church, we are needing help in janitorial. So Jocelyn will also be taking your name for that after service. So you can sign up to serve by cleaning or helping clean. That's available not only during service days, but also during weekdays. Um, we'll make that available to you. So if that's just your thing and you want to get more involved, there's that. If you would like to know more about the church, more about what we believe, or just get connected completely all the way, membership is coming on July 17th. Guess what? That's pastor's birthday. He will be here for that. So pastor samples, not this guy, this pastor Dave uh, is the next week, but, and all of us are in July. Weird. Anyway, pastor samples birthday is on July 17th and membership class is in the evening on July 17th. So there will be food and drinks and fun. And it's basically quality time with good old pastor Dave. And you get to ask all the questions that you wish you could ask during a service. Like, why y'all do that? You know, that kind of thing. So if you would like to sign up for membership, see that clipboard that's moving around or stop by the info booth before the end of service. And now it is happy time. Pastor Josh has happy time. 
Yes, sir. Josh is going to do the offering this morning, and uh, we call it happy time because why? God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. All right. There you go. Don't go too long, okay? I know, I know. <laughs> well, yes, it is happy time because God does love a cheerful giver. And uh, Pastor Dave, I woke up to a text from Pastor Dave saying, hey, would you mind taking up the offering this morning? And I said, sure, I'd love to. So uh, normally, uh, much to my wife's chagrin, I would wing this type of thing because I'm really bad about that. But this morning, I actually took a couple minutes to write down some notes. So uh, for better or for worse, track along with me if you can. Um, uh, if you do need an envelope, uh, to put your tithes or offerings in, just raise your hand and the ushers can hook you up there. Um, but um, what I want to talk about this morning briefly, and like Pastor said, I'm not going to go too long, uh, is just that there are multiple facets to biblical finance. And uh, most of you that have been here very long know that I pretty much only have like three sermons that I know. And so this is uh, number one. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but... Uh, when it comes to biblical finance, uh, there are multiple facets. Uh, the, the biggest one, of course, is giving, uh, giving and receiving. And most Christians more or less have a good grip on that. Most Christians are known to be generous, hopefully, and if not, they should be. The Bible does say that if we give, it will be given back to us. And so that's the thing that uh, since, you know, since most of us realized we were a sinner and, and God gave his only son to save us, we realize that we're called to be givers. So that's the most important part of biblical finance. But there's a second part to it that a lot of people don't get, uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. Um, I'll read it to you real quick, Matthew 25, verse 29. I should have told the the team, but I'll just read it to you real quick because it probably won't be on the screen. But it says, um, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing... Even what little they have will be taken away. Um, and this scripture, to me, is uh, one of the, the most important scriptures when it comes to biblical finance because uh, you can give all day, but if you don't have this part down, it really limits how much God's able to bless you. And my wife and I are prime examples of this. Uh, we have, uh, Both I, Julie and I more or less grew up in church, and so we've just been givers our whole life. We always do our tithes. We give offerings. We are generous with the poor. We just love to give. Um, but we were bad, very, very terrible managers with our money. Um, uh, both, uh, when we got married, uh, we both were, were started off working around minimum wage jobs. And uh, to make up the difference, we just used credit cards for everything. Uh, we, had, we were in debt up to our eyeballs on anything you could imagine. We had a stupid car payment we couldn't afford. We had... Uh, uh, we would like, uh, if we didn't have enough money to go out to dinner that night, we'd just put it on the credit card. And instead of like just, you know, well, let's go to Taco Bell and spend three dollars. Well, since it's going on the credit card, let's just let's go somewhere nice and spend a hundred bucks on dinner. We'll we'll pay for it eventually. And it was nuts. Like uh, one month, we didn't even have enough money for our rent, so we put it on the credit card. And uh, we were just, uh, we were terrible, terrible, terrible with our money. And then. Uh, uh, one day, uh, there was a, at our, our church in Denver was having a class uh, on how to handle your money biblically, but the thing was, uh, their class was on Sunday night. And uh, Julie's like, will you go to this class? So she's like, I think we need to figure out how to not be putting our rent on credit card. I'm like, you know what, I would go to that class, but that clashes with Sunday night football. So I am not going. 
Uh, but um, she put her foot down, which she doesn't do often, and she drug me to class. I think I think the Cowboys were playing that week or something, so it, there was no reason to watch it. So, <laughs> oh, I forgot I'm surrounded by Cowboys fans. That's what I never got is how I live in California and everybody out here is Cowboys fans. <laughs> well, well, that's for another day. But anyways, uh, I didn't want to waste my time watching the Cowboys beat down, so I went to class instead. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, as I'm watching this class, it started clicking with me. Uh, I'm like, whoa, you know what? I really do need to take the time to learn how to manage our money. And uh, at that point, we started going through this class. We started paying off our debt. We started doing a budget. We started doing just basic finance. And at, when we did that, the Lord really blessed us. Within just a few months, uh, I, I did the math this morning. Uh, we went from minimum wage to a nearly 130% increase in our income. Just in like, what, like less than six months maybe? It was nuts how much the Lord blessed us. And uh, God couldn't have blessed us like this uh, if we were only going to uh, doing the giving part and we were going to keep living like we were before. Because most people, uh, I've heard it said, most people will celebrate a $300 raise with a $500 car payment. Because if the Lord's just going to give you more money uh, and you're going to spend it on something different or something stupid, he can't give you more money. And so what we did was, instead of blowing that money, we took, we started saving, we paid off all of our debt. And uh, honestly, to this day, over 10 years later, Julie and I are 100% debt-free. We don't have any credit cards. We have no car payments. We pay cash for all of our cards. Uh, we have no student loans, no personal loans. Um, and as of about one year ago, we have no mortgage. And honestly, the Lord, the Lord could bless us to an extent because it does say give and it will be given unto you. But if we were going to, if we hadn't started learning to manage our money God's way, then we would not be where we are now. In fact, uh, we were just doing, uh, Julie and I were sitting there doing the math right, right before service started. And from when we got married and we're making minimum wage to now, we've had a 272% increase in our, how much we've made. Yeah. And, and that's because we use our money wisely, but we also give. That we don't just, that's not, we're not just, the Lord hasn't blessed us just to hoard it for ourselves. We, we love to give. We love to help people out. And I think that's how we should all be. So I guess what I'm saying is that we need to uh, not only be givers, but we also need to be good managers of our money. Um, so simple things. Do a budget every month. That's not that difficult. Julie and I, there's a class we do sometimes that will teach you all that. Hopefully we'll do one uh, this fall, uh, depending on when. Our fifth baby comes. <laughs> um, but we'll do a budget. Just get out of debt. Get out of every kind of debt. Debt is no good. It's not your friend. And save some money. If you start doing those things, then the Lord can bless you even more. Now, uh, that's all I've got. So I'm going to ask my little nephew, Joel, to come up here and help me with the faith confession. I was like, i got to get someone to help me. Otherwise, I'm going to have to say it and then run back to the piano. So... Uh, Joel's going to help us lead the faith confession, drop off your offerings, and then come up front and worship with us today. All right. Let me say this here. So as we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, Finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, 
royalties receive, and blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, join us up here at the altar and let's praise the Lord today. Let's thank Him for all He's done. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and be blessed. I give you my attention, all my focus, pushing off the limits in this moment. I feel your spirit moving all around me. Come and have your way. I'm looking at these trial bones, you're reviving. This faith inside of my soul, you're igniting. You're calling me to levels that are higher. I can see your face. My eyes on you, everything else fades when I look your way, everything else fades when I look your way, everything else fades. Upon your beauty, full of wonder, though we're falling behind me, there's no other, no other name like your name, and there's nothing that can take your place. When I set my eyes on you, everything else fades. When I look your
From age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can do. You're faithful and true, though the storms, though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I remain still. 
great is your faithfulness to me. Your name from the right. 
Let's raise our hands to him this morning. Jesus, we love you, and we can declare with boldness that you are faithful. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. We know that you've been with us every step of the way. Uh, there's maybe have been hard times, God, but we know that you never left us. You said you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. And we thank you, Father, that you have been there every single step of the way. Hallelujah. I'm just going to read something that the Apostle Paul wrote shortly before his death in 2 Timothy. That's the last letter that he ever wrote. He said something very interesting in 2 Timothy 2. He said, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. And if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. And that's a beautiful thing because I think all of us, amen, all of us at some point could say that we probably haven't been uh, as faithful as we should have been to him and to his word. And so to our thinking, we'd say, well, he'll just abandon me now because I, I done screwed up. What am I going to do now? But no, he cannot deny who he is at his core and at his essence. God is love, according to 1 John 4, 8. But we also know this much that at his core, he is faithful. I'm glad that he doesn't base his love for me upon how good I've been. He bases his love on me because, hey, he is love. And it's not because I deserve it. It's not because I've earned it. It's just because he is so good to me. Amen. Can we give Jesus some praise today? Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. You are faithful. You are good and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats this morning. Praise the Lord. What an excellent time of worship at the altar of the Lord here. It's a beautiful thing to be in the presence of God. And, and we know that his word says he inhabits the praises of his people. In fact, we sing that every now and then, but he inhabits the praises of his people. And that's a beautiful thing. Did you have something, babe? Yeah, amen. All right. Uh, we're going to, uh, Pastor Katie's just telling me a little bit of information of, we want to, uh, join in prayer for, uh, a young brother that comes to church here, uh, 22 years old. And, uh, he's, he's been diagnosed with cancer and the doctors are wanting to put him on hospice. And we are believing in the name of Jesus that we are going to see, uh, a miracle in this young man's life. He's a wonderful young man named Al Ucart. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to, we're going to, uh, take authority over this. Uh, Pastor Katie and I went to his house the other day and prayed for him, but uh, we're going to lift him up this morning because uh, she's telling me they just took him down to Loma Linda. And so we want to uh, we want to surround him with our prayer today. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we lift up this young man to you, Alucard, Lord, and we thank you that he is a godly young man that loves you, Lord, and we know that your will is for him to live and not die, but declare the works of the Lord, and that's what he intends to do. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you 
that you are good. And you said that you came to give life and life more abundantly in John 10, verse 10. And so, Lord, we thank you that we are speaking life into his body right now. And we know that the enemy would try to take him out, but you came to give life. And so we pray in the name of Jesus that a miracle is taking place in him even right now as we speak. We know, Jesus, that your word says in 1 Peter 2, 24, that by Jesus' stripes, by the wounds on his back, that we have been healed. And so we stand on that right now. The price is paid, and we thank you that we're receiving that in his body. We thank you for an absolute miracle in this young man in the name of Jesus. Can we get an amen today? Hallelujah. We love him. We're praying for him. Amen. All right. Well, you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to be getting into the Word of God today, and uh, it's, it's just uh, a, a wonderful day uh, to be studying the Scripture together. And I know it seems like summertime comes around, and, and oftentimes, you know, we kind of all uh, go into vacation mode, and that's a wonderful thing. You need a good vacation, but it's also super important that we stick close to the Word of God, even in the summer months, probably even more so, because I found this much out, when it gets really, really hot, People get really, really mean, right? And so it's really important that we uh, take his word seriously. And so the title of the message today is this. It is agape. And some of you know what that means. And some of you are like, man, uh, this is America. What are you talking about, man? Well, that's a Greek word. And I'm going to explain what agape means uh, to you. But I will tell you this much as we get into our study of God's word. If there is ever a time that Christians need to love... And to be united, it's right now. There's more hate and deception and confusion uh, than at any point in the history of the world, I believe. And so I know that one of the primary tactics and tools of the enemy is to bring in hatred and strife and division. In fact, James, uh, the book of James tells us that where there is envying and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. And so we realize that the enemy would want to come in right now and cause us to you know, want to fight other people and especially our Christian brothers and sisters. And so we're going to study what this Greek word agape means. If you need uh, an outline for the sermon and you didn't get one, raise your hand and the ushers are going to give you a, a, an outline so you can follow along right there. But we're going to get into our, uh, our, our message today. And really, it seems about at least once a year. At least once a year, the the Lord needs us to kind of uh, do some teaching on the topic of walking in love. And, uh, I, you know, somebody would say, well, what's the very most important topic and theme in the Bible? I mean, that's a hard thing to nail down because it's all good. It's all necessary. It's all the whole Bible is perfect and everything that you need. But I would say if there's absolutely one core theme to the Bible and one thing that you really need to get in your heart, we're talking about the love of God. Well, why? Well, for one, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If Jesus didn't love you, you'd be in big trouble. I know I would be in really big trouble if Jesus didn't love me so much, but because of his love, he sent his son. And somebody would say, well, could you describe God? Could you define God? If I had to describe God in one word, it would be the word love. 
Why? Well, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. But he that does not love does not know God, for God is love. That is what and who he is. And so somebody say, well, if God's love, then why does he tell me I can't do this? If God's love, then why does he say that this is wrong? Because he loves you so much and he knows that that will destroy your life. Thank you for your holy silence today. Listen, I'm going to preach, all right? You better just buckle up for a minute. We're getting ready to dunk some people. And, uh, hey, we got to get fired up before we get in the water today, all right? And so I'm telling you right now, there are things that you may think, well, God's saying no because he's mean. And no, he's saying no because he loves you. Do I have any parents in the house today? There are things that your kids want to do. That would harm them, but you tell them no because of your great love. And they'll say something stupid like, no, you hate me. That's why you're saying no. I'm saying no because I was 13 years old at one point, and I was a doofus too. But praise God, my parents loved me enough to tell me the truth and guard me and tell me no. And so it's not just loving to, to, to never say no. There's a lot of love in God's no, and there's a whole lot of love in his yes. And so we're going to study what this means today. So one confusing thing for us as English speaking people is honestly, our language can be quite vague and, uh, you know, it's on the weaker end of some of the languages to be honest. But, uh, what I'm going to tell you is this, is that in English, we just have one word love that we pretty much use for anything and everything, right? Like, I love fish tacos. I love my wife. Well, hey, uh, uh, two different things, right? You got to understand that. I love her in a romantic way, and I just really like the fish taco. I don't want to marry them, I, but, but, I, but I don't have enough words to say this. Or I love my football team. I love this. I love that. And, and what you really mean is you just really like them a lot. But, but it, it, it's not really love love. And, and if you do love those things, like, I mean... That's, you know, you don't want to elevate that above, you know, people. But anyway, we'll get to that later on. And so the thing is that the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Now, I don't understand either of those languages completely, but I do my best to try to study them some. And I know this much, and a lot of you probably know this, that in the Greek language of the New Testament, they had four main words that they would use for love. And so they could really, if somebody said, you know, I, you know, blank, you know, then you would know, oh, they mean this. And so uh, just for the sake of letting you know that four of the uh, words that they use for love to describe different things, one was store game. And this is basically family love, like you love your family. And, and so that's not the romantic love that we think of from Hallmark and your lifetime movies that you ladies like to watch. But at the same time, uh, it, but it, it's a family love. And then there's a love, uh, word for love that the Greeks use called eros. And, uh, this is the romantic love, you know, between a man and a woman. And then, uh, there's a love word that they used called phileo. And this is uh, a friendship or a brotherly love. Phileo, you know, what's, what's Philadelphia called? The city of brotherly love. And in the book of Revelation, there is a Greek city called Philadelphia. And every time I read that, I, I mean, I'm just, you know, maybe I'm being too transparent, but I read this and, and Jesus uh, writes this letter to the church in Philadelphia. And every time I read that, all I can think is, in West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent. Well, okay. I'd like to publicly apologize right now. All right. 
So anyway, there's uh, Phileo, Philadelphia, brotherly love. And then there's the one I'm going to talk about, agape. And this is God's definition of love. The unconditional, no strings attached, I will love you even if you don't love me. The love of God. And this is agape love. And this is the deepest, uh, truest level of love that there is. Because every other, you know, we've seen this. Our human love can turn to hatred. I mean, overnight. Uh, our, our human love is subject to change. It's like, I love you today because you've been so nice to me. But the minute that you're rude to me, I hate you and I no longer love you. Well, then it wasn't real love anyway. At least it wasn't unconditional love. Maybe you loved them, but there were strings attached to your love. You only loved them as long as they behaved the way that you wanted them to behave or treated you the way that you feel you should be treated. And that's a very superficial surface level love. And I don't want to live a surface level shallow life. And so many people do. And so what we're talking about is agape. Let's go to our first verse here, our opening text. John chapter 13. John 13. Who's glad they're at church today? Amen. Yeah, I am. John 13. And we're going to look here at verses 34 to 35. And some of the Jesus himself said, And so in the book of John, John writes about the topic of love a lot. In fact, uh, some people would call him the apostle of love. And so he wrote the gospel of John, first, second, and third John, those epistles. And he wrote the book of Revelation. And all throughout these books, you consistently and constantly see him talking about love. And again, we're not talking about the romance love. We're talking about the love of God. And so John chapter 13, and we're going to look. At verses 34 to 35. And so Jesus says this. We're all familiar with the Ten Commandments. But Jesus gives us a commandment right here. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So how should I love other people? Well, I should love them the same way that Jesus loved me. That would be the the correct Bible way to do it. And verse 35 says this. Your love... For one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That is a big and bold statement right there. And so I heard somebody say, if I really wanted to find a true Christian, I wouldn't just go to church. Because let's get real. Most of us are on our best behavior here this morning. How many of you talk to your kids? You will behave at church today. How many of you uh, wives had the same talk with your husbands? Do not embarrass me. This is church, all right? So maybe you went there. I don't know. But uh, but listen, you know, we all kind of, we try to be on our best behavior. If you wanted to see if someone's really a Christian, you would probably want to go to their house and see how they're talking to their wife, to their husband, to their children, to the neighbor. That's where we could really see because uh, how do we know if you're a Christian? Uh, we know you're a disciple if you have love for one another. That's the true test right there. Not because you know all the Christian songs, not because you got a good Christian t-shirt. Those are all great things, but that proves nothing if you don't have the love of God in your heart. Amen. 
All right, let's get into our, 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 uh, our outline here today. We're going to have a really good time, and I know that everybody loves it when we talk about loving your neighbor as yourself because you always think that I'm preaching to somebody else. But in actuality, we're talking to you today. Yeah, and so whenever you hear a sermon like this, the wrong thing to do is sit there and think about how this applies to everybody else. The right thing to do is to sit there and think about how can I apply this to my life and love like Jesus loved, all right? And so let's get into God's word today, all right? Let's say this. Number one, we are to, what? Love like Jesus loved. And so there's a lot of misconception about love is in our modern culture. I know this much that we're so triggered that if you don't agree with someone, the only possible alternative is that you hate them, right? Hey, you know, you could say like, I don't really agree with, you know, what you're saying there. Oh, so you hate me now. No, I just thought I don't agree with you. I have a different outlook on that. No, that means you hate me. That doesn't mean I hate you. You realize that Jesus disagreed with tons of people in the New Testament, right? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus disagreed with tons of people, but we know that he didn't hate any of them. He disagreed with them, and he loved them so much that he literally died for them. People that said, I hate you. I hate your guts. I'm going to throw rocks at you and try to kill you. And still he said, you know what? I love you so much that I am going to die for you. That's not hate. That's that's love right there. And so no doubt there is a lot of a misconception about what true love of God is in our modern society. And so, you know, love doesn't always mean that you agree, but it does mean that you don't have to be a jerk. Can I get an amen? All right. If you're a jerk, say amen. No, don't. <laughs> All right, and so how did Jesus love? We're going to talk about this. I'm going to say three things. We could go on and on and on for days and days, but for the sake of time, three things on this. How did Jesus love? Well, A, he sacrificed. How did Jesus love? He sacrificed. Agape love is always going to take sacrifice on your part because the people you're trying to love are not as perfect as you are. And if you're perfect, and perfect people, come on, shout out to you. Uh, it's hard, isn't it, to be so perfect because everybody else is just trying to come up to your standard. Well, the truth of the matter is you are not perfect, and I'll bet that people need to be patient with you sometimes also. And it takes sacrifice to love like Jesus loved, and that's our goal because that's what Jesus said in John 13, 34, to love like I have loved you. And so if you're going to really unconditionally love other people, you're going to have to overlook their faults, aren't you? Because they're not perfect and neither are you. You're going to have to sacrifice winning the argument sometimes. And I'll tell you something right now. If you always have to have the last word... You are immature. You're immature. That's something little kids have to do. It's okay sometimes to be able to just walk away and say, you know what? Hey, God bless you. Hey, God bless you. Love you, man. But you, if you always have to have the last word, man, I'm working with my five-year-old on that, all right? And we should have to be working with the 40-year-old on that. We're talking right now about the love of God. And so if you're going to have the love of God, it takes sacrifice. And uh, Jesus sacrificed his own time, his own comfort to help other people. Because sometimes loving people like Jesus loved them is super inconvenient. 
It's super sacrificial. It is sometimes not what you feel like doing. And so I want you to look here at Philippians chapter 2, all right? And so I've got several Bible verses up front here, but I want you to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And there's a lot of verses on this topic because it's the main theme of the Bible. Love. Love. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Of course, we're in the New Living Translation here. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. And this is an example of how Jesus loved us. Because Jesus was willing to sacrifice. All right? And so Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. You realize we had God walking around here on earth. He could have said, hey, show a little respect. Come on, you know who I am. What's wrong with you? Stand up when I walk in the room. Hey, uh, you, you're going to look at me like that? Do you realize who you're talking? No, he didn't He didn't cling to his title. He didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to and to, and to demand from people. But check it out. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Think about that. Here we are. Jesus, the most important person in the history of the world, if there was ever somebody that could have demanded their rights, if there was ever somebody that could have, you know, lorded it over people, it would have been him. He was perfect. He did no wrong, but that's not what he was clinging to. He was clinging to, I love these people so much that I'm willing to become one of them so I can rescue them and save them. And because of love, he died a criminal's death on the cross. And so some people would say, man, three nails held him there. No, those nails weren't what held him. Love is what held Jesus on the cross because there's no way you volunteer for crucifixion unless you really, really love somebody. And Jesus loved us that he died a voluntary death. He said, no man is taking my life away. I'm laying it down. It was a gift. And so real love, the love of Jesus Well, how did he love? A, he sacrificed. B, he didn't retaliate. I'm just, hey, I'm just going to read the Bible to you. That's all I can do. But I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus did not live a life of retaliation. If you always have to retaliate every single time you feel that you've been wronged, you do not love like Jesus loved. Well, I mean, yeah, but, 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 huh? Listen to me. I'm just saying it. You don't love like Jesus loved. And that, uh, that's just the fact of the matter. Now, I'm not saying we have to be pushovers or that we can't defend ourselves, our faith, and our families. I mean, there's a right way to do all of that. But all I'm saying is let's just look at the example of Jesus. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Now, if you go to church here, you know First Peter 2, 24, forwards and backwards. That's the first Bible verse I ever learned. Uh, and so... 1 Peter 2.24 is awesome. It tells us that by Jesus' stripes, by his wounds, that we have been healed. And so we really know that verse well. But most of the time we don't read verse 23. And so I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to look here at verse 23. Because this whole thing is talking about when Jesus went 
to the cross. And, uh, and so let's see here. First Peter two and verse 23, it says this. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. Why? Well, he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Whoa. Think about that. If there's anybody, I mean, here he was, he could have retaliated. He's getting beaten. He's getting poked at. He's getting insulted and cursed. And I mean, he's just getting tortured and, and said all sorts of bad things about him. And don't you think that Jesus could have defended himself? He could have said, no, 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 no. I don't have to take that. Let me explain to you. In fact, he put it this way. Whenever Peter was like, Jesus, we're not letting you die on no cross. We'll defend you to the death. And Jesus said, Peter, stop. Quit it. I can defend myself, all right? If I wanted, I could ask my dad right now, my father, for 12 legions of angels to come and rescue me. I don't need your help, Peter. And think about that. 12, that's 72,000 angels that he could have instantly had just at his command. 70, I mean, Jesus could have gotten out of this. He could have defended himself, but he didn't retaliate. Why? How did Jesus handle it? He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. I'm going to read this out of the message Bible. It puts it this way. They called him every name in the book and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. Now, again, I believe in defending yourself and your family and your faith and your church and your community. I believe in all that stuff. But I know this much, that if I always have to retaliate, if I always have to get the last word, there will never be a last word. It will keep on going, and you will live in a cycle of strife and anxiety and stress all the time. And I'll tell you, man, it's okay to let some things go. Do you realize how free it is to know that somebody can insult you and it doesn't, I mean, you can just let it roll off of your back? It feels great. I have people insult me. I have people come at me on the internet and hey, you know what? I don't sit there and lose a wink of sleep over it. I'm fine with it. I don't care. And I realize that maybe we're all wired a little different and maybe that's a little bit harder for you. But I'm just telling you right now, when people lose the power to torture you with their words, they're powerless against you. I'm like, man, say whatever you want to say. I'm just sitting over here reading my Bible, drinking my coffee, living the good life, having a great time. You can say what you want to say. I will simply leave it in the hands of God. And I know this much. If you mess with God's children, you end up paying the price. I don't, no, look at this. Romans 12, 19. Romans 12, 19. I told you I brought some verses today. Who's ready? Romans 12 and verse 19 I am content to leave my case in God's hands and God will take care of it better than I ever could have on my own. So Romans 12, and check this out. We're going to look here at verse 19 and we're talking about loving the way that God wants us to love. Romans 12 and verse 19, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Well, I thought God didn't get angry. No, God gets angry. Now, he, he is rich in love and slow to anger. But, hey, he can be pushed to that point. There is an angry side. And so when somebody is consistently messing with one of his kids, they will eventually cross the line. 
And then that's between them and God, and God will handle them how he sees fit. That's none of my business. But look at what the rest of this says. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Your King James would say, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so I leave it in the hands of God. One of the men that I admire more than anybody in the history of the world is Brother Kenneth Hagin, and, and I went to his Bible college. And uh, we've got you know a lot of his books back there in the bookstore, but... He's known for teaching the faith message. I mean, teaching people how to live by faith. But what I believe his greatest strength was his ability to walk in love and forgive other people and let things go because people came at him hard to this day. And he's been dead since 2003. And people still badmouthing him and talking about all this stuff. But he would say this much, you know what? I just leave it in God's hands. He said, if they accused me of killing my own grandma, I wouldn't take the time to stop and deny it. I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to live my life for Jesus. And so some of us need to get a hold of I don't have to respond to every mean little jab and poke. I don't have to always try to get revenge. I don't have to always get the last word. I'll just let God get the last word. I'm living for him. Does that sound like fun? No, it doesn't sound like fun. But listen, it's a good thing, all right? It's a sacrifice to live our lives that way. And so the third thing is this that I'm saying about how did Jesus love? See, is this, is that he told the truth. Am I at the right church? Wait, because I, <laughs> the Lutherans invited me, but I said I'd go over here today. Uh, I'm kidding. I love the Lutherans. Uh, but let's check it out. How did Jesus love? He told the truth. Jesus never lied to avoid hurting your feelings. Now, if you were doing something that was going to be a danger to your life and to your eternal destiny, he was going to tell you about it. Now, here's the thing. He didn't do it to be mean, though, because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I tell the cold, hard truth because blah, blah, blah. Well, you're doing it to be mean and a jerk and because you want to hurt people. That's a difference. Jesus told the truth because he loved people so much that he's like, that is going to really screw your life up. You need to just step away from that, and I will show you a better way to do things. He wasn't doing it to say, oh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, you little punk. Hey, you know what? Yeah, let's blast this to everybody. No. In fact, Peter put it this way. He said, love covers a multitude of sins. Love isn't out there trying to expose everybody's sins. Let's see what dirt I can find on who today. That's not love. Love covers a multitude of sins, but love doesn't lie and say, no, no, just, you know, keep playing with that rattlesnake. It's good for you. You know, it, it, it won't hurt you. It's fine. No, that's a lie. That will hurt you, and that will bring destruction to your life. If I love you, I'll love you enough to say something about it. And so uh, a, a classic example is in John chapter 4. You can turn there. But in John chapter 4, Jesus and the disciples, uh, they run into this, uh, this lady. We don't know her name because all we know her as is the woman at the well. And, uh, and you know, a lot of times in the Bible, we don't know people's names. We just know, like, it gives them, you know, like, blind Bartimaeus. So, you know, how would you like to be known for the whole rest of it? Just blind, you know? Or, uh, or this guy. No. Uh, or the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. You know, uh, th they had names, but we don't know her name. And so we know her as the woman at the well. And so Jesus is, is sitting down there at the well. And he's like, ma'am, you know, could you get me uh, some water? And, uh, and, and she's, you know, like, well, blah, blah, blah. So they start talking. And, and he's like, hey, go get your husband. <laughs> and she's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, I know. You've had five husbands. And you're not married to the man that you're living with right now. 
Now, you know, in 2022, that's the norm, but especially back in that day, that was like mind-blowing, like, what? And so Jesus is like, I know you're not married, you're single, looking to mingle, but at the same time, hey, you've been married, you've been, you have been married five times, and you're not married to the man you're living with right now. And so, was that mean, or was that love? This was love because he was setting her up to change her life forever. Now, I realize in our modern society, I mean, if you said that to somebody, you would be blasted and posted and canceled forever. They'd come after your job. They'd come after your family. They'd come after your church. They'd come after your money. They would think, no, this man doesn't even deserve to live. And that's, you know, the society that we live in now called cancel culture. But Jesus wasn't putting her on blast to embarrass her or to shame her. He was trying to open the door and say, hey, listen, I know it's been a rough road. But I've got something that could help you right here. And so let's see how she responded in John chapter 4 and verse 28. Because when we speak the truth in love, that opens the door for the Lord to do his thing. And so, again, I repeat, Jesus wasn't being a jerk. Jesus wasn't saying this to shame her. Jesus was wanting to love her and change her life. So John chapter 4 and verse 28 And so what did she do after Jesus said all this stuff to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can you imagine that? Hey, this guy called out every sin I ever committed. This is great. You ought to come hear him. I'd be thinking like, whoa, what's he going to say about me? I mean, I've got some stuff, you know, I've got some skeletons in the closet. You know, what, what is he going to say about me? But but what, what did the people do? Well, she says, could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. This girl went from a sinner and turned into a preacher in about five minutes' time. She told everybody, hey, come see Jesus. Come hear Jesus. That's what a preacher does. This girl was a preacher. And God used her. You read the whole story. Man, the whole village came and received Jesus. Their sick got healed. The demons got cast out. He rocked the entire village to the core. Why? Because he didn't lie to somebody to avoid hurting their feelings. He told the truth, but he did it in love. And so a verse that you should write down is Ephesians 4.15. It tells us as Christians, Ephesians 4.15, that we are to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Don't do it out of mean. Don't do it out of being a jerk. Speak the truth in love. And what's so wonderful about the truth? Well, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I would rather be a free man than somebody bound to lies and deception for the rest of my life. I want truth in my life. And so uh, there's many more things we could say, but for the sake of time, I got to go on to number two. And it's this, all right? Number two, talking about the love of God, agape proves you're a disciple. Agape, remember what is agape? It is unconditional, no strings attached, love. And so agape proves that you're a disciple. John 13, 35 is our opening verse. And literally the exact word that the scripture writes here in the book of John is the word agape. And so 
John 13, verse 35, Jesus said, Your agape for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, notice, again, Jesus didn't say, Hey, if you listen to Air One Radio, they'll know you're a disciple then, for sure. If you listen to K-Love at work, that's how they'll know. You need to get that on the radio right now. Do it right now. Now, if you listen to the such and such podcast, if you wear the right Christian t-shirts, they'll have to know then. If you put a bumper sticker on car, if you have an HDWC coffee mug, which you should have, you shouldn't, you get one of those, right? But listen, that's not how the world knows you're a disciple. They know you're a disciple because of your love. And that's a deep, and powerful statement to think. But I can tell you this much. That's, I, I've been able to just see the love of God from somebody and be like, you know what? I know that that's a child of God right there. I can just sense. Have you ever been? You know, the Bible talks about our spirit bears witness with someone else. And so have you ever just been in, a, in around somebody? You haven't even talked about it yet, but you're like, I, man, I know. Hey, that's a Christian right there. I, I bear witness. They've got the love and the peace of God. But I'll tell you this much. I've never been treated really bad by somebody and said, oh, they must be a Christian because they're so mean. And that's how Christians act. Or, hey, give me some of what they got. Wow, I would love to be a jerk like that. Woo, give me some of that. No, I'm like, they need Jesus. My gosh. When you're mean and nasty and rude and always having strife with people. Listen, if strife follows you to work, to school, to church, to home, to the grocery store, to everywhere you go, if you always are having strife with people, it's not them. It's you. It's you. If it follows you everywhere, I mean, that's just the truth of the matter. There's no way that everywhere you go, everybody's a jerk and everybody's mean. If fighting and strife and arguments follow you everywhere you go, the common denominator is you. Now, I get it. Sometimes you're around difficult people at work. Sometimes there are issues. But if everywhere you go there is drama, you need to look in the mirror. And I know you're appreciating this message today. And I'd like to personally tell you that you're welcome for uh, just giving you some of God's word today. Amen. This is going to be a big one. I can see the YouTube views racking up on this one. This is good. Um, And so let me tell you this. This is on your outline. The way we behave is a reflection on Jesus. If you say you're a disciple or a Christian, the way we behave is a reflection on Jesus because your kid's behavior is a reflection on you, whether you like it or not. People are going to assume that that's how you raised them and that's how you behave in your house, right? I mean, you ever been there? Sometimes you're like, your kid does something great. You're like, yeah, that's my kid. (laughs) What can I say? They're awesome. Uh, And then sometimes you're like, Oh my gosh. Oh Lord. Uh, you know, what's going on here? This, whose kid is this? And, and, and so either way, why do we feel that way? We love our kids, but it's a reflection upon us the way that the children act. And I'm telling you right now that if you have identified yourself as a Christian, your behavior is a reflection on your father, God in heaven. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, your big brother, who is seated at the right hand of God. And so uh, when you identify yourself as a Christian, if you're loving and kind, people are going to want to, hey, tell me about, you know, why is it that you're like that? 
people want to know. It draws people to Jesus when you've got the love of God. On the other hand, when you are mean and not nice and cruel and rude and every, any other synonyms you want to, you know, throw in there, when you're nasty, it makes people want to reject Jesus. It's like, wow, that's how you ended up after you got Jesus? No, thank you. I'll just, you know, take the hand I've been dealt. I, don't, I mean, I've got my problems, but at least I'm not mean. And so I tell you today, the way that we behave as Christians reflects upon our Father. It reflects upon our Savior, Jesus. And I don't want to get to heaven. And because I know this much, I will stand before God and get judged someday for my life on this earth. Uh, I will go and stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for my life in this world. And and at least if I'm there, I'm going to heaven. You know, I, I made it. Thank you, Jesus. I'm standing before him. But at the same time, I have got to give an account for my life on this earth. And I shiver in my boots. And I'm not even trying to be funny. I uh, the, the, It scares me to the core that I could stand before Jesus and look that man in the eye and he say, you know what, you're getting in. But I want to remind you, that girl you treated that way, she never she never did receive me because she rejected me because you were so mean. So, yeah, she's not here, but, you know, come on in, whatever. Like, whoa, dude, uh, that's going to be a hard conversation. Your behavior reflects on your Father in heaven. That is a sobering thought for the Christian to think about. And while we would think that it's especially important that we treat the world nice, and it is. It is so important. It's even more important, according to Scripture, that you treat your fellow Christian brothers and sisters in love. And what John 13, 34 says, By this shall all men know you're my disciples. Need if you have love for one another. He was talking to the disciples right there. But I didn't plan on this verse, so it may or may not be on the screen. 1 John chapter 2. You get a bonus verse today. 1 John chapter 2. And I want to show you something here. Because while it is of utmost importance that you treat anybody and everybody with the love of God, I mean, people in this world, people that are, you know, haters of God, treat them with love, man. Treat them with compassion and kindness. But it is even a step further important that you treat your fellow Christian brothers and sisters with love. First John chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 9 in the NLT here. First John chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in the darkness. Oh, man. Wow, you thought you had it together. But according to this, if you hate a Christian brother or sister, you're living in darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. That's that's an incredible uh, thing to read right there. And for, further on in the book of John, he tells us that if you hate another person and say you love God, John says, you're a liar. How can you love God whom you can't see and if you can't even love people that you can see. And so the foolproof way to tell if you're actually a disciple is if you love your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so 
I'll tell you this much. This is on your handout. I, I can promise you that as you begin to love other people the way Jesus does, your entire life will get better. Well, I don't believe that because then that means I can't, you know, go beat people up anymore. No, listen, I'm being honest with you right now. As you begin to love other people the way Jesus does, your entire life will get better. You don't have to have, I'm telling you, the anxiety and stress. I used to desire revenge against some people. People had done me and my family wrong. And so the only thing I could think of is, well, hey, you know, an eye for an eye. They did me wrong, I'll do them wrong. See how they like that. You know, do you know the, the, uh, the burden that that puts on your shoulders when you're responsible for always making sure everybody pays the piper? Making sure everybody has to, you know, get what's coming to them? That's a burden that I simply do not care to live with. But I'm telling you right now, when we walk in the love of God, it frees me from stress and anxiety and turmoil on the inside. It gives me the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. It is a freeing and liberating thing to walk in the love of God. And so what I'm challenging with us with this week and uh, you know, heads up, we'll talk about this for the next few weeks. So if you didn't like it today, just skip the next few weeks. But if you want to get better as a person, come on back and, you know, we'd love to see you again. But uh, what I'm telling you about today is this, is how we can have God's kind of love. And I promise you, none of us will ever be perfect at it. But if you would start heading towards agape love, it'll change your life forever and ever and ever. Amen. Can we go ahead and stand up together today? Praise God. I, I'm praying that you're receiving what we're dishing out here. I'm praying that you're open to the word of God. And I'm going to have Josh come up. And if I could get my prayer team to, to come on up together, but I'm going to ask that for a minute here. If, uh, if the Lord's dealing with you today and, and maybe you're, you know, potentially you, you know, could admit like, well, you know what? I'm not perfect in this area. Uh, maybe this could be a great time for us to examine our hearts. You know, the scripture does tell us to examine ourselves to, in fact, first Corinthians 11 tells us to judge ourselves. And so I'm not asking you to judge somebody else or to be judged by somebody else. I'm asking you today to take just a minute and look at your heart and, and, and to examine and, and, and judge yourself for a minute and say, you know what? I, there's some changes that need to be made. There's some forgiveness. There's some releasing of some things that need to take place today. And if you could look at your own heart and life and do that, that's the first step to the freedom that Jesus has for you today. Amen. And so we're going to take a minute. Josh, lead us in some worship. And uh, and I, I, I just encourage you that if you need prayer, come on up. Our prayer team's here for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, but if you don't need to come up for prayer, I really, really, really encourage you to just stay right where you're at. Talk to the Lord. Examine yourself and let him work in your life today. Amen. So let's take a few minutes here. Let's go. I love you Yes, I love you Because 
Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you first loved me And I love you Jesus, I love you Yes, I love you Because you first love, nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. Nothing can separate your heart from mine. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord.
getting ready to transition into baptisms if you want. So uh, if you want, you can be seated. Uh, if you have family being baptized, you're welcome to come up right here on the stage and take pictures and celebrate with them if you want. Uh, try not to knock over any of our guitars or anything, but uh, feel free to come up and join us on stage. But uh, we'll turn it over to Pastor Dave, and he's going to get us started here. All right, we are going to uh, go ahead and start our baptism service, and so uh, this is again a very exciting day for us, and this is a great moment for us to celebrate with those up here that they're making their public declaration of their faith, and it's really important that each of us has a moment where we could say, you know, yeah, I I, uh, I made that statement, I I, I acknowledged Jesus uh, in front of everybody, and that's really a big part of what this is today, and of course it's symbolizes that the old man is going down and the new man is coming up. And so at a very, very exciting day. All right. So come on down, Valor. There we go. All right. All right. This is Valor. So Valor, how old are you? Nine. He's nine. All right. Nine going on 20. <laughs> He's a big boy, but uh, we love Valor. His, uh, his uh, parents are raising him here in the ways of the Lord, and his whole family's here, and it's just, uh, we're very proud of this young man and that he's ready to really make a public commitment to Jesus today. So this is a wonderful big moment, amen? So Valor, I'm going to ask you a couple questions here, buddy. Uh, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yeah. Okay. So turn this way. Hold your nose. Hold your nose. All right. There you go. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. to see the love to see everyone baptized love to see the younger ones making their commitment to the lord at such an early age all right here's a wonderful young man that we all know and love we got raymond right here <laughs> and so this guy has given his life to jesus 110 percent and uh, we're just seeing the lord work in him Every week he's here doing anything and everything he can uh, to serve God. And he is a good example of the love of Jesus. So we're really proud of this guy. So, Raymond, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes, I do. Amen. All right. Then I'm going to have you face this way. All right. That upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. Yes, brother. We're excited. All right. All right. Well, here we've got Mario, and we love this guy right here. Amen. Joined us about last fall time somewhere in there, started really uh, coming to church and giving his life to Jesus, and, uh, and we've just seen so much awesome growth. He's an official member of the church now, so he is uh, he's here to stay. He's one of us, and we love him so much. Uh, Mario, let me ask you, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
Yes, I have. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? I do believe. Okay, then I'm going to have you face this way. All right. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Son, and that he died and rose again? Yes. All right. Come right over here. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. One more guy here today. Oh, this one's good. Mikey is so safe. Amen. So 
Mikey, as one you know, is uh, Sabrina and Adriana's younger brother. And of course, he's got a whole bunch of family here at church. And uh, we're excited today that he is making his commitment uh, publicly to Jesus. And uh, we're going to baptize him today. And so it's a really, really wonderful big day here. So, uh, Mikey, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, sir, I have. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Amen. All right. Well, you just face right here. Go ahead and uh, hold your nose. All right. There you go. All right. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. encourage you that we're going to be baptizing more people tonight at the 6 p.m. service, so come on back if you're part of the church family here, and we want to celebrate with all of our nighttime uh, members also, and so I just really ask you and encourage you to come back out tonight, but thank you everybody, we love you, and I'll have Josh close us out in the Barstow Faith Confession. Let's stand up together, everybody. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up if we can. We're going to close out today. Um, and let's just uh, take what Pastor Dave taught us and apply it to our lives this week. I know uh, it was challenging me to love my own kids even more. So uh, let's take that with us. Let's go ahead and uh, declare this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're dismissed. If my heart is open.